0: Well, last Sunday, we talked about sin. And really, you all hung in there so well, right through the greed and pride and envy parts. And if you missed last week, obviously that's a sin for missing, but you can always check it out (laughs) online. At any rate, this week, I wanted to reward you for your hard philosophical and theological work last time with a nice, easy subject that everyone would agree on. I mean, none of us have issues with our mothers, right? <laughs> Actually, I have to watch my tongue because my own mother is sitting right over there. Hello. <laughs> the thing... <laughs> The thing about having your mother present when you speak about motherhood is that she's always happy to correct you about everything that you remember wrong from your own childhood. In my family, that mostly revolves around how many evenings each week my mother was away from home working. I, of course, remember at least eight evenings a week with my mother gone. (laughs) It is possible that I am overestimating. My mother, like many people's mothers, worked through my childhood. A professor, she did sometimes teach night classes, and she went back to school when I was eight to get another degree, so sometimes she took night classes, too. As she often reminds me, her mother also worked through her childhood, which was significantly less usual in the 1950s. The truth is, being third in a line of working mothers has been a gift to me important in my own decision to work outside the home while raising a child. Knowing that my mother worked long and hard and was still a present and caring parent, those eight nights a week notwithstanding, (laughs) I felt that I could do the same. And most of the time, I think I do. Sometimes I feel as though I'm a chicken running around with my head cut off, but I think that's actually part of the human condition. But this platform address purports to be not about humans nor even about chickens, but about llamas, mama llamas more specifically, as the title asks, is your mama a llama? The question of whether or not one's mama is indeed a llama is of vital importance, it seems, to the toddler set. And actually, I think I'd want to know too, The question comes from a book of the same name, where we follow a baby llama throughout a walk featuring a surprising biodiversity of animals. The llama asks his friends one by one whether their mamas are llamas and receives a variety of charmingly rhyming answers. No, she is not, is the answer Dave gave. She hangs by her feet, and she lives in a cave. I do not believe that's how llamas behave. And, no, she is not, is how Clyde replied. She's got flippers and whiskers and eats fish all day. I do not think llamas act quite in that way. Clyde is wise beyond his years. Llamas do not act quite in that way, eating fish all day and sporting flippers and whiskers. Clyde's mother, however, does act in that way, revealing herself, as you might guess, as a seal, while Dave's mother, the one who hangs by her feet and lives in a cave, is a bat. Excellent. Lloyd, the llama, makes all sorts of discoveries about his friend's mothers as he continues on his trek, finally ending up with his friend Lynn, I'm sorry to tell you spelled with two L's, Lynn, whose mother actually is a llama and in the very same herd as Lloyd's mother. Delighted, the two little llama babies run off with their own llama mamas, presumably glad to have found the right ones, the mamas that neither have flippers nor hang upside down in a cave. But what about the mothers who do possess these particular attributes? They are, I imagine, just right for their own children, who also have flippers or hang upside down or aspire to. That's what I like about this book, actually, the celebration of many kinds of mothers, at least as they appear in the animal kingdom. Here in human land, however, we don't always do quite so well. If you believe Hallmark, all mothers like roses and kittens, or roses and puppies, or possibly roses and butterflies. In fact, Reverend Leslie Takahashi Morris, a Unitarian Universalist minister in California, found a poem online that speaks to this very phenomenon. I quote, Puppies and mothers are simply put on earth to help each other. They give to each those simple things like love without a druther. They care for one another too and never turn and shun the one that they adopt so true, and neither away will run. I like mothers. I like puppies. I even actually like sappy greeting cards, although I prefer a less forced rhyme scheme. But like Takahashi Morris, I don't like the idea of reducing Mother's Day, and mothers in general, to puppies and bad poetry. Neither does that baby, obviously. As Takahashi Morris writes, this idea of motherhood does not take into account the realities of people whose relationship with their mother is conflicted, or those who have lost the ability to be with their mother through adoption, death, or illness, or those who have been denied the experience of parenting by life's circumstances. Motherhood, in fact, is a topic that is full of tensions— full of varied experiences, some wonderful and some difficult. It is also full of many different kinds of mothers. And believe me, some of them are not like puppies at all. In fact, the woman who created Mother's Day was a great deal more like a Rottweiler. Julia Ward Howe, best known for her Battle Hymn of the Republic, wrote the Mother's Day Proclamation of 1872 out of her later work as a peace activist. As Takahashi Morris, that minister from California writes, disillusioned with the Civil War and then the Franco-Prussian War, Julia Ward Howe had the idea that mothers who were tired of sending their sons into inhumane conflicts could be a united force against senseless killing. She told other mothers that they did not have to send their children into harm's way And this work led to the first International Mother's Day of Peace. I'm curious, how many of you knew about Julia Ward-Howe and the Mother's Day proclamation? A few. Oh, that's good. That's good. It's so funny, I think, the way our society has commercialized and, in Takahashi Morris's words, sanitized the holiday. Or actually, it's not really funny at all. It is, in fact, a symptom of the sexism that I think still runs rampant around America. Sexism. This is getting to be almost as much fun as sin was last week. (laughs) The thing is, comparing mothers to puppies or to flowers is just a way, really, of containing them, of putting them into a little box and saying, there, you may sit here and look lovely. You may be entirely in charge of child-rearing because of your important biological connection, and you may occasionally dress up in a suit and pretend to be a man, but really we know that you are more like a puppy. Or a flower, and we love you just that way. Well, I am a mother, and I am not interested in being contained. Actually, I wasn't really much interested in being contained before I was a mother, either. (laughs) Women, in case you hadn't heard, come in many shapes and sizes these days. And the truth is that any attempt to contain or limit what constitutes acceptable motherhood is also an attempt to contain or limit what constitutes acceptable womanhood, including the idea that all women want to be mothers in the first place. Sexism, like racism, is sometimes hidden in modern American culture. Although you do still find people who will come right out and say they think women only ought to stay home, you're more likely to get sideways kinds of limitations. Women still don't make as much as men for the same work, and women with young children make the least amount of money for the same work. Did you know that? And are the most likely to be denied a job or a promotion, based presumably on the fear that they won't work as hard. Ironically, men with young children are favored by employers. Children apparently humanizing the men without placing any burden at all on their ability to work hard. Isn't that handy? One of the most interesting articulations of sideways sexism I've heard is from a friend and colleague who described participating in a gay rights rally when she was in college. Identifying as a straight woman, she thought she was there only as an ally to her LGBT friends. Then a sudden realization dawned that this issue was her issue, too, because it was, what, it was about what women could and couldn't do. Women, opponents of gay rights might say, can only love men. And so in marching for those rights, my friend was marching for women's rights, marching to open the limitations that people tried to place on her. As a side note, this friend actually ended up marrying and raising a child with another woman, (laughs) just another indication that a limitation on anyone can really be a limitation on us. And indeed, the movement against homophobia and heterosexism has been one that has opened up many people's understandings of what women can be, what mothers can be. I work hard to make sure that my own daughter and all the children here at West hear stories about lots of kinds of families, and I try to watch my own language, asking children I don't know what their parent or parents might say instead of their mom and dad. One of the best sources for stories with many kinds of families is Todd Parr, a children's book author and illustrator. One of our favorites is the family book, and I just picked up the mommy book, which, as you might imagine, talks about all the different kinds of mommies out there. Some mommies drive minivans, some mommies drive motorcycles, it begins. Some mommies work at home, some mommies work in big buildings. Some mommies have short hair, some mommies have big hair. And my personal favorite, some mommies like to cook, some mommies like to order pizza. Throughout the book are declarations, too, of what all mommies have in common. They like to hang out with you. They like to watch you sleep. They like to kiss and hug you. And at the end, the best part, all mommies want you to be who you are. Todd Parr, like many children's authors, paints an optimistic picture The reality is that not all mommies are comfortable with their children being just who they are. Some of you may have painful memories of mothers who, at one time or another, couldn't find a way to support you becoming your true self. But the good news is that each of us, whether we are a mother or not, can help to create a world where children are encouraged to be their true selves where we work against the limitations that society tries to place on girls, on women, on people. This is religious work, actually, especially for those of us here in the ethical culture tradition. Our religion speaks of the importance of each person's worth, the undeniable dignity that every person carries within himself but it also emphasizes the uniqueness of every person. The way each one of us has a particular and special place in the universe that only we can occupy. It's a religion, I think, that works to break down barriers, to let go of limitations, because all those boxes keep us from being just who we are. This kind of breaking down of barriers can have effects in our own lives and in the world at large. On a personal level, we can think about the boxes that we put around ourselves, the limitations that we've learned to believe in or accept as our own. I think about all the women marathon runners out there who had to get past the idea that they couldn't compete in intense sports, or the men, including my father-in-law, who finally learned to cook in their 50s. And what about the limitations that have nothing to do with gender roles, but everything to do with how we were raised, the messages we heard or continue to hear, sometimes from those who love us dearly, but can't see beyond boundaries themselves? Growing into our own deep uniqueness means constantly re-examining our perceptions of ourselves, trying to figure out which ones resonate with who we are on a deep level, who we are in our souls, and which ones are keeping us from growing, keeping us from celebrating our true selves. That's really what we celebrate at our spring festival every year, when we participate in the ritual of throwing away what we don't want, throwing away the limitations, the barriers, the oh-no-you-can'ts, and planting dreams of possibility, dreams of hope, and promise and, oh yes, I can. And then there's the breaking down of barriers that may start with the personal, but that extends to the global. The breaking down of barriers to form a more just society where all people can become their most unique selves. Working against isms, sexism, classism, heterosexism, racism, is really about breaking down barriers All those isms are boxes, labels, and limitations we put on people. It's understandable in some ways that we put labels on people. They're our way of trying to categorize the world to make sense of who people are. But the problem is people don't fit into boxes. Some mommies really do prefer motorcycles to minivans. And it's our job to make sure that they can ride motorcycles or marry other women or order pizza. You know, sometimes when I write platforms, I wonder if it's all just thinking, just me talking to myself and to you nice, polite people who listen to me every week. (laughs) And so it was a gift to me as I finished up writing this one, literally there with my laptop in the living room that I overheard the following conversation between my daughter, age two, and the 10-year-old neighbor who was playing with her so that I could write. My daughter knew that the visit was coming to a close soon and announced to the neighbor that she, the neighbor, would be going home with her mom. And your dad, my daughter added, where's your dad? Knowing the family who lives next door, I wondered exactly how the answer would be formulated. I have two moms, said our neighbor friend. Oh, nodded my daughter, matter-of-factly. I have a mom and a dad. And they went back to cleaning up the toys together. Yes, parenting success. (laughs) A child who, at least in this conversation, understands that families are different, that mommies are different, that people are different, and that that's okay. To me, this is the best kind of catechism, the best religious learning that she can have. So I want to invite us today to follow in my daughter's footsteps and reframe Mother's Day as a religious holiday this year, to think about making it a day when we celebrate the many ways that mothers show up in our lives, the many ways that mothers look to celebrate the mamas that are llamas and the mamas that are seals and even the mamas that are bats, maybe especially those mamas who work to keep the mosquito population under control. (laughs) And all of us, mamas and otherwise, can do work ourselves, work to make justice in the world, acting for good and peace and hope. I want to invite us, I guess, to follow that original Mother's Day idea, that mothers can unite and work together for the good of the world, that mothers can be Rottweilers and puppies, and we can all love whomever we choose, and each of us can believe in our own and in each other's ability to be exactly who we are. So happy Mother's Day, and enjoy ordering pizza tonight.